Hello and welcome to Jake's Reviews. I've created this series as a way to talk about all the films I see throughout 2022. The aim is to release an episode every couple of weeks and talk about the films I see throughout that period of time. So in this first episode I'll be covering the films Belfast, Licorice Pizza, Titan, the Tragedy of Macbeth and The Lost Daughter. Um, also, as a side note, I'd just like to say that if by any chance you're watching this in the USA, unfortunately, I live in the UK and our films get a delayed release when compared to yours. So some of these films that I'm reviewing are early 2022 releases or late 2021 releases for us will have been released earlier in 2021 for you. I don't make the rules, that's just the way it is. So getting straight into it, we'll have our first film, which is oh. Belfast. Belfast, although officially released in the UK on the 21st of Jan, I got a preview of this with Cineworld at the start, I think it was the 4th of Jan. So I've already been able to see this film quite early, which was a nice surprise. The film is about a young kid called Buddy and his time as a child throughout 60s Northern Ireland when there was all the conflict between the Catholics and the Protestants. Now, the first thing to say about this film is, noticeably, it's a black and white film. Personally, I found this choice a bit strange, as it doesn't really do much for the film itself. I mean, there's other film released this month, Tragedy of Macbeth, that has a much better use of this black and white and revolves its film around it, whereas this just feels like they've thrown a filter on for the sake of it, which didn't really sit well with me, as although some black and white cinematography can be absolutely beautiful, this just felt a bit flat and unnecessary. I wish they'd done more to change the style of the film. Now the approach this film takes is from the viewpoint of a child buddy played by Jude Hill who is actually surprisingly quite a decent child actor in his first role which is normally something I can't stand in films when a child is absolutely terrible. A similar film in nature I guess to Jojo Rabbit in the sense that it's a child's view on war. Arguably the, this war isn't quite on the scale of World War Two. It's still a traumatic period for a lot of people and I feel like although they got some elements of this right a lot of the film isn't dark or serious enough for me to really get involved with it. Whereas in Jojo Rabbit there are a lot of themes and ideas that although it's from a childlike wonder you still feel like it's a very tense and unsettling period whereas this film doesn't really capture it in the same way. I also feel like the film's a bit short for all the stories it's trying to tell. It covers the family being in considerable debt but wanting to move country to escape the war which sort of just seems in the background and not really brought out enough. There's also another family trying to pull Buddy's family into their views and it's basically a join us or we're gonna kill you sort of motive and although there is a scene covering it in the film it feels a bit too cartoon-like and not serious enough for me to really get involved with it. Ultimately it's a large collection of stories that are never given the time to blossom and merge over the short 98 minute runtime. I think it could have either trimmed out some of the lesser stories that aren't as interesting or extended the film by sort of another 20 minutes half an hour to really flesh out and create something memorable as although it's a decent enough film and I still enjoyed it it's just something that I'll probably never watch again so I'm gonna give this one a 6 out of 10. Go Don't clock back. For our second film we move on to Paul Thomas Anderson's new film Licorice Pizza. This film came out on the 1st of January. I may go into this a little biased as he's one of my favourite directors 
Responsible for films such as Punch Drunk Love, There Will Be Blood, Boogie Nights, The Master, Magnolia. I think his list of accomplishments is endless and he is easily one of the best directors working today. And his most recent film I have now seen twice and I will admit that on the original watch, although still very enjoyable, I maybe didn't quite get everything that was going on. So I wanted a second watch just to now know it going into it, knowing what was going to happen. I could explore all the themes a bit more and upon this second watch it's another one of his films that I've absolutely fallen in love with and clearly I'm going to recommend very highly. So the film is about a young 15 year old called Gary Valentine and on his school photo shoot day he meets photography assistant Alana Kane who is 25. Now already I know what you're thinking 15 year old guy 25 year old girl that's a bit dodgy now although i do agree the way this film goes about telling this romance isn't dodgy at all it's very respectful of the age gap and it addresses this in the film and there is never anything inappropriate or anything that will make you want to switch off it's very much just a brilliant love story and it's told in a very respectful way. Set in the background of the 70s, visually it's absolutely stunning and you really feel like you are in the time period with the characters. A lot of attention to details has been played with the cars, with the buildings, with posters, just absolutely anything from that period really feel like you're there and they haven't made any mistakes with that. Although it doesn't really follow a story in the traditional sense, it's more like a collection of events coming together, a bit similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But throughout each of these individual events, you see the relationship grow between the two lead characters as they try to make each other jealous of each other. You have Gary who is a young up-and-coming actor and he's quite the businessman as well so he's always getting into little schemes which are very entertaining such as selling waterbeds and creating a pinball palace whereas Alana's sort of this 25 year old hasn't quite worked out what she's doing yet but she finds meaning throughout spending her time with Gary and then eventually goes off doing her own things as well along the way, but there's always stuff that brings the characters back together. It's also worth pointing out that this is the first major lead roles for both Cooper Hoffman and Helena Haim, who played the two lead characters. Like Cooper Hoffman is the son of Philip Seymour Hoffman, who has acted in multiple Paul Thomas Anderson films. Unfortunately, as some people know, Philip Seymour Hoffman passed away in early 2014 and he was in multiple Paul Thomas Anderson films so it's wonderful to watch his son sort of taking his place in the these new Paul Thomas Anderson films hopefully this is the first of many that he will be in but it's continuing his legacy and he doesn't disappoint at all can't wait to see Cooper Hoffman in more films I think he's absolutely fantastic but Alana Haim just takes him over as being the better actor of the two in this film as she is absolutely fantastic and really gets into her role. So if you're just looking for a fun trip back to the 70s about two young people falling in love, I think this is just such a great film. You can just chuck on, relax, and you don't have to think too hard about it. You just sort of go on this journey with them on their romance. On the first watch, I gave it an 8 out of 10, but I have to say on a rewatch, it's a solid 9 out of 10. Probably my favourite film out at the moment. Uh, this film's still currently out in cinemas it's just got a wider release so make sure you go and see it as you will not be disappointed this is definitely the one to go and see out of all the films i'm reviewing today i'm not gonna forget you for our third film we go to 
Titan or Titan, however you want to say it. So for those who are aware of this film, you may just know it as, oh yeah, that's the one where she shacks a car. And that is putting it very bluntly as this film is obviously that is the controversial element of this film but there's also quite a bit more to it than just that so directed by julia de cornell i am so sorry i probably butchered that she was responsible for the film raw about a vegetarian turned cannibal so you already know you're going to be in for a bit of a wild ride with this. And this is definitely a lot more insane than her previous film. Now, as people know from previous reviews I've done, I'm not the biggest fan of these remakes, superhero films and reboots that are constantly being churned out every year. Some of them can be good, but ultimately a lot of them don't offer anything that's going to be completely rememberable. It's just things you'll watch and go, yeah, it was okay. And then a year later, you'll be like, oh yeah, I saw that. Will I watch it again? No, not really. And I feel like this is an absolute breath of fresh air in originality and mayhem that I want to see more of. Not necessarily as insane as the plot point I mentioned earlier, but if you just want to watch something absolutely mental and original, then this is the film for you. So ultimately, the less I say about this, the more you will get out of it. But I'm going to do my best as there's a lot that you can give away, but I don't want to because I want people to actually see this and experience the madness for themselves without me telling you every little plot point. So to give you the introduction, Titan is about a young woman and at the start of the film she's involved in a car crash which damages her brain where she has a little implant on the side. Ultimately it gives her a strange fixation with cars which leads to that event happening. After that event things happen she doesn't expect and she's led on a wild ride as she has to run away from authorities. She has to seek refuge in ways she doesn't expect and although it starts out as this completely weird horror it sort of merges into a family drama if that sounds like something you're interested in i would say definitely check this one out i'm gonna give it a nine out of ten i loved it but it's definitely not for everyone especially the faint of heart so annoyingly as well this film has a super limited release due to the subject matter as a lot of mainstream audiences aren't going to want to pick up on this one. It's just left cinemas now, but I imagine it'll be on streaming services soon. So go and check it out. Film number four is The Tragedy of Macbeth, starring Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand as Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. Also directed by Joel Cohen, one of the two Cohen brothers responsible for a whole host of absolutely brilliant films. So put all this together and you think you're going to get a pretty great film. Uh, the Tragedy of Macbeth released on 26th of December as an Apple TV original, but it has got a limited release at the moment in some independent cinemas. If you can find one near you, I recommend Northampton Filmhouse as my closest one, but obviously wherever you are in the world or in the UK, just look up your local independent cinema and it's likely they'll be playing it. Or if not, get your free trial on Apple TV and give it a watch there. Or if you've already got Apple TV, enjoy.
Recently, over the last decade or so, we've seen quite a few adaptations of the Macbeth story, although I can say I haven't actually seen any others other than this one myself, so I don't have anything to compare it to. So as I mentioned earlier, this film is also black and white, like Belfast. So this film, I think, takes on that element a lot better than Belfast does. The film's set up in a 4-3, so it's nice just off that classic sort of square shape you see on a lot of the older films. The film uses this 4-3 format and the black and white and it creates some beautiful minimalist backdrops, a bit like you're watching the stage play of Macbeth, but obviously as a film. I think it's a brilliant marriage of the two media styles and for me I found it the most impressive element of the film. Now as for the story, as far as I've read up this is pretty much just your classic retelling of Macbeth with a little bit chopped out as it's only got a hour 45 runtime, which as Shakespeare goes isn't that long. I don't know what it cuts out as unfortunately I'm not too familiar with the original story but for those of you who are big Shakespeare fans this whole film is in that classic classic Shakespearean English, which for me, I was sat there the whole time wishing I had subtitles so I could understand it more. There's still definitely stuff that you can follow throughout the film if you're not familiar with the original story. I think everyone's pretty well cast and I enjoyed each character, but the leads aside, the best person in this film is easily Catherine Hunter, who plays the three witches who Macbeth engages with throughout the film. Whenever you see her come on the screen, you're just absolutely loving the scene she's in. She really gets into it with the voices she gives to each of the three witches. However, as I have mentioned, the best part of this film is the cinematography by Bruno del Bonnell who's also done cinematography for films Harry Potter and the Half of the Prince, Amelie, and Inside Lewin Davis, which are all pretty decent films. But this, visually, is his best work, although Amelie is also beautiful. I think this film just edges it on the cinematography, though. I feel like watching this film, I am picked off of my seat in the cinema and just thrown into this old land of minimalist Shakespeare. There's just so much done with so little that it's very difficult to not be impressed by what they've achieved with the film. Although its downfall is it's a bit hard to follow if you're not familiar with the old English and the original story. There's still a lot that I enjoyed about this film and I'm going to give it a low 8. Because the cinematography is some of the best I've seen, it just manages to crawl out of that 7 and get that low 8. Are you a man? Ah, and a bold one. That there, look upon that which might appall the devil. As a final film to talk about, I'm just going to throw The Lost Daughter in there. This was released on the 17th of December as a straight-to-Netflix film, which is where I watched it, but I did watch it 2nd of Jan, so it just scrapes into this period where I'm covering the new films I've seen. The film is about Olivia Coleman's character as she plays a college professor with an unsettling past on holiday in Italy. She meets a woman with a young daughter, and in doing so, it triggers her memories of being a mother to young children, where she was definitely not the best mother. The film goes over these themes, and it's back and forth between her older self and her younger self, who's played by Jessie Buckley. 
I mean, Olivia Coleman is always a joy to watch, and it's definitely a decent film, but it's nothing too memorable. The cinematography is okay, the story is a little anticlimactic, but if you're an Olivia Coleman fan, then there's probably enough to go on there to keep you interested. And I'm going to give that one a 6 out of 10. I have kids. Yes, I have two daughters. <laughs>